Last evening we found Jesus in Jerusalem with his disciples giving of himself, giving of his body and blood at the Passover meal and washing the feet of his disciples. He also gave us this mandatum, this mandate. If I therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow so that as I have done for you, you should also do. Now today, this most humbling act of love in the foot washing is brought to its fullest meaning. In fact, to a conclusion in humiliation. The act of love yesterday is today most fully expressed on Calvary. Jesus went from humility to humiliation. So today, you and I, we on Good Friday, we gather to venerate the cross on which hung our Savior, on which hung the Savior of the world. And in doing so, people of faith, we see more than the man Isaiah describes. He said no stately bearing to make us look at him, no appearance that would attract us to him. He was betrayed and abandoned, arrested, denied, accused, judged, condemned, stripped, scourged, abused, degraded. He was mocked, he was jeered, pierced, and nailed to a cross. Humiliated before the whole world. But you and I, we see more than humiliation. We see once again his humility. You know, the wood of the cross that we venerate today is the humility, is the ultimate humility for God. It's a symbol of the covenant that God made with humanity. God descends into the full depravity of the human condition. He carries the full weight of our sinfulness. He experiences the full weakness of its flesh, and the total disgrace, disgrace of the judgment, condemnation, suffering, death and burial, that is the destiny of all people. So, what do we get in return? What do we get in return? <coughs> Total immersion in his divine life. That's what we get in return. Total immersion in his divine life, freedom from eternal death, and the promise of everlasting life with God for those who believe. His stretching out his arms on the cross reveals this beautiful, this beautiful covenantal love for each one of us 
personally, individually, and intimately. A love for each of us personally and individually, a love more powerful than betrayal, a grace stronger than sin. Even today, Jesus' love for us is, is, is no less than it was the day he died. It's no less, and he longs for our love in return. On the cross, Christ, his love is poured out completely. If he could have done anything more, he would have done so. But his thirst for us on the cross 2,000 plus years ago remains his thirst for you and for me today. Father Raniero Cantalemesa, he's the preacher of the papal household, he observed this. He said, our sin, our sin does not change the nature of this love, but causes it to make a qualitative leap. Mercy as a gift now becomes mercy as forgiveness. He said, love goes from being a simple gift to become a suffering love, to become a suffering love. Because God suffers, God suffers when his love is rejected. In quoting the prophet Isaiah, Ranyos said, the Lord has spoken, sons I have, have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. And he goes on to say, just ask the many fathers and mothers who have experienced their children's rejection. If it does not cause suffering, and one of the most intense sufferings in life. You know, today on this Good Friday, the Passion narrative reveals, I think, the betrayal. That's what I'll focus on for now. The betrayal of Judas and the betrayal of Peter. I mean, even after Jesus knelt before them and washed their feet, even after Jesus served them with love, gave them his body and blood in this Eucharist, they responded, how? With betrayal, both of them. Was one worse than the other? I don't think so. I don't think so. Betrayal is betrayal, period. You know, as I have reflected upon Judas's betrayal and Peter's betrayal, there is a difference though. Peter wept. Judas despaired. Judas couldn't forgive himself and he didn't trust in the Lord's love and mercy. His despair led to a hopelessness that led to death. Peter, though absent from standing at the foot of the cross with Mary and John, his own weeping led to deep sorrow, which led to repentance and forgiveness and mercy. What about us? What about us? 
What about our betrayal? Huh? What about our betrayal? The seeds of betrayal are sown in our hardened and selfish hearts. And when they sprout, we are always led to sin. You know, sin is a rejection of God's love for us. Sin is a betrayal of trust that leads us away from being who we are called to be. It leads us to the rejection of the cross of Jesus. You know, in preparing this homily, as I reflected upon the betrayal of Judas and Peter, I mean, I was clearly reminded of the many ways throughout my life in which I betrayed Jesus. The ways in which I rejected his love and mercy. Ways in which I lived life void of a relationship with Jesus. It began slowly as it oftentimes does. And then gradually, gradually without even realizing it, subtle changes from being fully devoted to him to following the seductive lures of the culture, seeking personal pleasure or gain. That's how it happens. It's very subtle, very subtle. But I found myself praying, Lord Jesus, some of the stripes on your back are the result of my sin. Some of the stripes on your back, Lord Jesus, are the result of my betrayal of you. Lord Jesus, lead me not to the despair of Judas, but to the repentance of Peter. This Good Friday, I think, teaches this lesson, a lesson which St. Teresa of Calcutta wrote about her in I Thirst Meditation, coming from the lips of Jesus. She wrote this, No matter how far you wander, no matter how often you forget me, no matter how many crosses you may bear in this life, there is one thing I want you to always remember, one thing that will never change. I thirst for you. I thirst for you just as you are. You don't need to change in, to change. You don't need to change to believe in my love. For it will be your belief in my love that will change you. You forget me and yet I'm, I'm seeking you every moment of the day, standing at the door of your heart and knocking. Do you find this hard to believe? Do you find this hard to believe? Then look at the cross. Look at my heart that was pierced for you. Have you not understood my cross? Then listen again to the words I spoke there, for they tell you clearly why I endured all this for you. I thirst. Friends, we don't need to change to believe in his love for it will be our faith in his love and mercy that will change us. Jesus has loved us to the end, as we have seen in a quite radical way. Has there ever been a more radical love in life in history? You know, to be honest, I think our lives make absolutely no sense, period, apart 
from the cross of Jesus Christ. They make no sense whatsoever apart from the cross of Jesus. So in the cross of Jesus Christ, the very heart of God is displayed. Jesus surrendered to it all. And in doing so, he takes upon himself, he takes upon himself the evil and the filth and the sin of this whole world, including ours, including ours. And he cleanses it with his blood and mercy and the love of the Father. He transforms it and he transforms us. So if this mystery is to come alive for each one of us, we must celebrate this night not only as an event that's commemorated, but we must enter into it in such a way that its meaning penetrates our hearts anew. We must pray for this grace that the meaning of the cross penetrates our hearts. Lord Jesus, give us this grace. But Jesus, I think, is also inviting us into something else. He's inviting us to offer our sufferings for the world as well. You know, Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and wept. He now looks down over upon this world, especially in the Middle East where Christians are being killed in his name, and he weeps. One can't imagine the sadness in the Lord's heart right now. One cannot imagine the sadness in the Lord's heart right now. So the cross of Jesus must be claimed by each one of us, whereby you and I, we have the opportunity to offer suffering, whatever that might be, however little or big it might seem, to offer our suffering for the end of human injustice, for the many persecuted for their faith, for those faithful martyrs in our world who have truly embraced the cross of Jesus, for those men, women, and children worn out and fearful, who flee their countries from war and violence, and who often only find death. These are places where you and I can be united with Jesus at the cross and others with our, with our own suffering. It gives value to our suffering. To paraphrase the words of Pope of St. John Paul II, not long before he died, he said this, the adoration of the cross directs us to a commitment that we cannot shirk. The mission that St. Paul expressed in these words, in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. He said, we offer our suffering so that God's plan may be completed and his word spread among the peoples. We in turn are close to all who are tried by suffering at this time. So we pray for each one of them. And finally, my friends, as we approach the cross of Jesus today, 
Let us confidently approach this throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace. While the arms of Jesus are open on the cross to embrace us, the Lord's passion is not a sign of loss or despair, but of one of hope and triumph, of forgiveness and salvation, of mercy and love. May we always be deeply and profoundly grateful.